Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, June 18th, 2007. Managing Through a Personal Crisis, Part 1 of 2. Hi everyone, this is Mike and welcome back to Manager Tools. A long time ago, Mark had a manager client of his that told him a story about when one of his directs came into his office crying, that he simply gave them some tissue and walked out. Now, even though he prided himself on being a tough-minded, results-oriented, very successful manager, at some level he knew that his response was a bit too callous, a little bit too cold. So when Mark gave him one of his uh, famous, like, you've got to be kidding me looks, uh, his response was to immediately backpedal and start to make a bunch of excuses. Things said things like, well, I'm, I'm giving them space, or I don't want them to be embarrassed. Uh, I appreciate their need for privacy. I didn't want them thinking I was evaluating them right then. Well, you know, of course, all that was delivered with that delicate edge and a sense of panic that comes from defending the indefensible. You know, your directs have lives outside of work, and as often as you will ask them to stay late, to do more, to answer emails on the weekend, every once in a while, their lives are going to herniate into your work. What do you do as a manager when one of your team has a crisis? When their spouse is hurt or hospitalized? When their house burns down? When someone's parent passes away? Well, in today's cast, we're going to tell you how. Stay tuned. This uh, this topic today, I think it's one of those topics that uh, isn't really taught in B schools. Probably never will be. If, if, if yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I, I think never would be the right word. I think you're right. I think a lot of managers don't want to be taught they because they just don't want to have to deal with it. It's 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 uncomfortable. We just we just like to pretend that it's going to go away, and of course it yeah it it, it never does go away, and it always does somehow happen, right? Yeah, I, I, we can actually probably. That whole idea of please don't teach me about something that technically I know I might face because I really don't want to know and I don't I want to pretend that it doesn't exist. Well, maybe we can call that ostrich management. Just stick your head in the sand in the face of a problem and maybe the problem doesn't exist. Well, I, I think actually, to be, to be honest, I think that's kind of a myth. I think the fact is that ostriches just will eat just about anything and they just happen to put their head down when they eat. <laughs> I, I, do, I did not know that. I always thought that. Go on safari someday and see some ostrich with its head in the sand. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I, okay. Um, if only managers avoiding personal crises was a myth, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> um, it's not a myth. The crises aren't a myth. It happens. It happens to everybody. If it hasn't happened to you yet and you're listening right now, uh, it will happen at some point in your career, and that's why we're doing this cast. Um but sadly, it, um, it's also not a myth that managers are not good at reacting to them. Managers generally do a poor job reacting to these. I think this is to some degree, it's, it's something like the Christmas rule, I'm sure, right? It doesn't happen very often. We don't plan for it. We don't prepare for it. Uh, it's important to us. It's important to the people around us. It affects our team. And therefore, we don't plan for something that's important. Uh, and we... Therefore, not any good at it. Right. And, and I think you'd agree with me that we don't believe that managers don't care about people. So what, right, what's, right, your right. 
So, so what's your theory about why we do so poorly at this? Other than the Christmas okay. theory, maybe. Yeah, I think the Christmas thing, not not the ostrich. Well, ostrich and Christmas, I don't know. I'm sure there's some there's some new rule in there somewhere. Yeah, but, you're the farm right. boy, so I used to yeah. know these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, suburb of Los Angeles, that's farming, yeah. Um, I think management, on its face, just the day-to-day work, uh, an average management job, not that there is such a thing, is hard enough. All you have to do to find that out is ask any new manager, how hard their job is. Uh, that fear and uncertainty and doubt, FUD, as they say, um, is rampant among managers, particularly among younger, newer managers. Um, and then something comes along for which there is no playbook, for which no one told us we would have to do anything, or, or if they alluded to it, or you know, people hear about it, but they didn't know that managers played a role or played a bigger role than other people. You're not just one of the people that ha- that it, it works near, whose cubicle is near the person who's going through a personal crisis. You're the manager. That means you have special role and responsibility. Um, so look, there's no playbook. No one told you you have to do anything about it. And suddenly now, you're in the spotlight. Um, as much as I think... Many people want to be a manager because they just want a promotion and they think that it's really a good trade off all that extra money for all that extra power. <laughs> um, and I think there are a lot of people who mistakenly do do it for that very reason and then get disenchanted. Um, but uh, as much as people like the perceived additional intelligence and the power and the authority, and there is power and authority associated with management, um, as much as they like those things that the role conveys, they don't like it. Where they don't have a clue what to do in a situation that could best be described as unusual or an outlier compared to the day to day. I think probably the managers who do it best are the ones who we would describe as the most caring or the most nurturing, the softer, more people centric. Yeah, sure, folks. sure. Now, I know, but I, I also know plenty of managers who just hope to survive based on the, how they say it most often, like just. Just do what you need to do, you know, all the while just looking down at the papers on their desk. Yeah. And then they tell themselves afterwards that making it through without getting involved just seemed to work fine. Right. I totally totally agree. I think think they probably feel like it's not like Christmas where there's going to be a huge upside. It's just literally avoiding – it's dodging a bullet, right? And if you can minimize your impact, uh, not make things any worse, allow the person to – do what they need to do, as they say, and and um, hey, you know, I didn't get involved, but uh, it seems like that crisis has passed, uh, and they didn't have a hand in helping it pass well among the team and among the individual. Um, I, I think the managers. I think you're right. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I think it's part look, of also is that uh, human beings have we have this great habit or a great ability to forget those things that are painful. Right? Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, right. we never learned how to walk. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this and, and, is, this um, might be one of those. Yeah, it's yeah. If if you remembered all the pain, you'd be sitting in your room, right? Not not stepping out, not breaking bones. Not that I've ever broken any bones. But look, um, I think when our lives herniate into our work, as it does with divorces and illnesses and traumas and ER visits and deaths and psychoses and neuroses and on and on and on and on, the human element of being manager is called upon. And that's why that that nurturing, caring, more people-centric manager tends to do better in these situations. The manager who loves the phrase, there's no crying in baseball, 
is unlikely to handle uh, one of the situations when a crisis. Well, we believe. Yeah, I agree. So, okay. So I think we've talked enough about probably why folks don't do it or the fact that managers don't do it. So how do we handle it? Yeah, we've got, it's pretty simple, really. We have two preparatory recommendations and then we have five action recommendations. For preparation, we have two thoughts. One is your primary responsibility, believe it or not, is work. A lot of people miss that one, and and we'll probably get some negative email about that. And second is you need to think about impact and duration. I find that good managers, when you talk to them about these situations, they make they make some clear distinctions in terms of how they're going to address the situation. That's preparation. And then when it comes to action, uh, the first step is to immediately address. We believe that managers are generally caring and uh, and therefore it's okay to take action immediately to include talking to people about what happened. Um, and probably there's some privacy advocates who won't like what we say, but we're going to be direct about that. Uh, we obviously recommend offering support. There are two different kinds. We'll talk about that. Um, something that a lot of managers miss, depending upon the, the strength of the, the uh, crisis or the, the significance of the crisis, maintain your schedule. Time becomes a huge benefit for managers in these situations. Um, Number four in action is talk about and decide on communication. Crises really point out when people have good lines of communication when they don't. And so when a crisis happens and things are jumbled up, it's good to pay attention to how we're going to communicate about things. And then lastly, something a lot of managers miss, which is talking openly about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate when it comes to behavior. Talking about behaviors for, for, the, for the employee, for the manager, and for the team as well. So that's the five. Um, so let, let's start with preparation. Okay. Uh, this is something that probably will sound a little different to folks, but folks that will be very blunt, your primary responsibility in times of crisis, when an employee, what we're talking about here is a situation where one of your direct reports has a crisis, a personal crisis. It could be at home and, 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 and we're clearly talking about things that could affect work here, but your primary responsibility is still to the work the organization pays you and your team to do. Even during personal crises? Yes, even then, mm. right? It doesn't say, the, the contract you sign or the agreement you sign doesn't say with your boss, I'm going to pay you this much money. Uh, but, but by the way, if there's a personal crisis for anybody in your team or whatever, it doesn't matter what your results are. It's okay. We're going to ignore that week, that month, that quarter, that year, and we don't care about your results during that time. No. In fact, I, I, know, managers who, I, I know managers who have been fired because their inability to manage a crisis caused a series of dominoes, some of which in their control, some of not. And, and at the end of the year, they were essentially, they were told they were laid off, but essentially they were terminated for failure to perform because they didn't know what to do and they didn't address it directly and so on. Um, now, look, look, let's be very honest about this. We know you can go out and read plenty about, at times of crisis, about consideration and compassion because, because consideration and compassion in times of crisis are dramatic. Uh, you can read about reaching out and being available. And look, we agree with all of that, okay? Frankly, despite the fact that both Mike and I are high Ds, we're better at it than you are. We're, we're very comfortable in our skins, and we're willing to reach out and do what it takes. Um, I, I, I think I've, part of my management career is I've had more um, employees with personal crises and bigger ones and wider ones than a lot of people have. In terms of density in my career, it's been fairly significant. Um, 
But the problem, w- 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 the reason we say the primary responsibilities work is because so much of the guidance on subjects like this is that, A, they're addressing, I think, they come at it from a case, from a point of view where they're addressing what we believe, you and I both believe, is a mistaken impression about management, okay? Yeah, well, um, let's, be, let's be clear about what that mistaken impression of management is. Yeah, sure, you're right, okay. Um, most of what you can learn about management, frankly, today isn't positive. You can learn about quarterly earnings reports and the market is doing well or the economy is doing well. Um, in fact, the vast majority of indicators in the world today in the modern times are unbelievably positive. It's incredible. Um, but, but when you drill down and, and, and much of the, much of the wealth, much of the benefit of, to the world has been, is created through the world of work, through capitalism and the, the spread of capitalistic democracy or democratic capitalism, however you want to talk about it. Uh, we, there are certainly other forms of government, and they all work, but, but um, uh, the, the, when you start talking about large organizations that deliver big profits and make their shareholders wealthy and uh, people have a chance to move up in the ranks and so on, you generally don't, you might hear a great thing about a company. I mean, you can't find anything bad to say about Starbucks, I'm sure. And yet somehow... When you, when you drill down a level and you start talking about management, management somehow is bad. I mean, it, quite frankly, you take the, take all the movies that have ever, ever, uh, had a role where somebody was a manager. If a person's a manager, he's a bad guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so look, um, most of what you learn about management isn't positive, but it's different from just, no one taught me how to do this, so I'm doing the best I can. It's not like people are saying, hey, managers, we know you're struggling with this. We want to provide you resources to make it easier to do your job. Um, the tone of some of the commentary on topics, particularly like this one, which is a dramatic one, personal crises, is bosses are bad. They're, they're looking to fire you if you have any sort of crisis. They're, they're slave drivers. They couldn't give a flip about their employees. Um, and uh, you better not have a personal crisis or managers, we're going to shake our finger at you and tell you, you can't indulge your natural tendency to be a mean, bad person. Um, you, you have to do this right. And we know the right way to do it because we're professionals. And frankly, we just disagree with that. I, I just, I don't care for that tone. And you see it all the time, particularly in the news media when they talk about these kinds of situations. Yeah. So, so what does that, that view of management create in what everyone might hear about this particular topic? There is a crusading. There is a, you don't have a heart, Mr. or Ms. Manager, but we can tell you how to behave even if you wouldn't guess this is the right approach. Now, folks, this is not a rant at all. What we're trying to do is, is before, we, before we suggest here's some actions to take, we want you to understand where we're coming from and we want to be careful that some of the advice you can get, some of the recommendations, actually, they're not giving you recommendations, they're giving you advice, but the advice you can get is really slanted from this point of view um, and they're saying you don't have a heart. And, and some of the things they say and the stridency with which they say it is because they don't believe that you as a manager are a good person who care about your employees. We disagree with that. We think the vast majority of managers are good people who care about their employees, who may not know exactly what to do in certain situations, and thus manager tools exist. Um, but but there's a tone that they that they have that is, you aren't capable of compassion. And so that advice they tend to give is skewed very far um, to the managers um, and, and, and 
And it's, it's as if the manager is only going to make it worse and that they have to minimize the manager's potential damage of, well, we, you know, you can't fire a person. There are laws that keep you from firing a person in personal right. crisis. Well, it's almost written, we, they're almost, their advice almost is written as if they're talking to Attila the Hunt or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's a, there's a flavor of that at times. Now, look, um, what, what most managers tend to hear about, and often this comes from HR, is that they must be compassionate. They must care. Sure, you must. We 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 care deeply. We we believe in caring. Um, I, I I mentioned on the forums once. I'll talk about it later. I, I had an employee who's who was working for me, sitting ten feet from me, when she got a call that her baby had died of sudden infant death syndrome in the crib, two miles from work. Jeez. And the, the 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 housekeeper called and said, "Your baby's dead." Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Um. So. Um. We know that managers, and we know this has happened to managers as well, um, and they have bosses too. Um, we absolutely believe that great managers can only be can only come from people who truly care about others. Um, but I think the tone is these folks that you'd hear advice on this topic would suggest um, that you would care to the point of exclusion about work, right up to missing a huge deadline. And suddenly now your team, not just the employee, not just the individual and their family perhaps, but the team is at risk. And the organization may be at risk depending upon the size of the organization and the size of your team's impact on the organization. There is nothing in our recommendations that we do not think of carefully and, and that should in any way be construed as taking your eye off the ball of work. We believe that caring about, visiting with, talking to, consoling, crying with, hugging, um, um, driving around, helping with errands, and so on, is not taking your eye off the ball of work if, if in fact, we're talking about dealing with the, the crisis that, a, that an employee is going through. But do not kid yourself and do not think that you're trying to win the Nobel Prize um, for compassion for this one particular employee because you're not getting paid for compassion. You're getting paid for results. Um, right. So, okay. So, okay. so I, yeah, I think that's a, it's a, it's a good distinction and, and one that a lot of folks get wrong. So I think, yeah, it's and, we're, and, and Mike, we're, we're going to hear about this. Somebody's going to say we're bad. Um, oh. and we're okay. We're, we're yeah. okay. We, <laughs> okay. okay. <yeah. laughs> they can talk to us uh, anyways. Yeah. I won't talk about myself. I'll talk about, they can talk to a lot of people that have worked for you and they'll get a different story. But, oh, on you too. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. So, okay. So I, I probably got you off track a little bit because, because in the preparation you had a, uh, a B to follow your point A. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got, I, I think I got off track a little bit there. Um, the other thing you're going to see is advice being given by therapists and organizational hygiene specialists and psychologists and HR consultants. And they're worried about that employee. And probably only about that employee. And folks, you haven't got that luxury. It is entirely possible to be every bit as caring of that stricken employee as any soft manager, any nurturing manager in the world, while also still caring deeply for your team and for your team's esteem and for your team's work and for your team's needs. In fact, let's just be clear about it. If you've been doing one-on-ones and giving feedback and building relationships, be very damn careful about letting some specialist come into your team and tell you how to run a crisis. They might have a playbook. Uh, probably won't be like ours. Um, but they don't, have, they don't have the knowledge, let alone the local knowledge, or the relationships that you do. Any advice coming from folks like that is not necessarily designed to help you. It's designed to help that employee. 
Um, and we've seen too many situations where well-meaning experts make a situation work worse by suggesting that the manager take their eye off the ball of work and focus completely on that employee because we've got to get that employee well. Fact is, most most specialists will tell you that the, you, the 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 organization or the manager can't make the person well. They can create an environment where everybody can continue to get work done and send a message that says, "We want you to get well, and we have resources that will help you do it." But you can't make them get well. Um, and look, if you're watching something on TV about it, or if you're watching a, an interview or something in the press, those people who are being interviewed are chosen for their ability to sound dramatic. And one of the things I've learned, having been through many of these, is we don't need any more drama, thank you very much, when an employee's child dies while the employee's at work, as I mentioned earlier. You don't need drama. You need continuity. You need stability. And believe it or not, that actually comes from the action of communication most often. Uh, and that's what the manager does, continuity and stability. And you can do all that while being so deeply compassionate that no one would ever question um, that you might ought to be saint, you know, ought to be knighted or you know, be given sainthood because you care about everyone and you're able to show distinct compassion for the person who's in a great deal of personal pain or, or familial pain uh, that's having an effect on work, and that's important, while at the same time keeping your eye on the ball. Yeah. One is not at the expense of the other. Yes, exactly. Okay, so look, back to the core point. The effective manager keeps part of her thoughts at all time on work and results of the whole team. Okay? In the first moments or days of, of a chronic situation, there's nothing wrong with focusing on the event that caused it or the pain. We applaud that, like I said. Um, but do not believe that handling this situation perfectly, which, by the way, is not the standard, um, sometimes getting through is just fine. Um, don't believe that handling the situation perfectly will benefit you appreciably other than in a quiet and private way. Okay. Um, managers who focus on their job being compassion. Okay. Now look, we expect compassion and listening and caring and concern and favors and some rules being bent, but managers who focus their job on compassion are the ones who allow others and then by definition or extension, the organization to suffer. Managers who show, who do take the time to show love and care and warmth and tenderness, while still not going to bed without spending some time at work, those are the ones we need more of. One eye always thinking about the work and the impact of this crisis on work. Not completely, not totally, but one eye on it. Agreed. And yeah, and, and, and compassion does not mean that a manager should avoid giving feedback or coaching somebody. Your job, working with somebody who's perhaps in a chronic situation that's lasting weeks or months, okay, your job is to set the bar as high as you can rather than as low as they would like you to, okay? Um, I have a very good friend who was recently hurt in a car accident. The day of the car accident, he was doing therapy. Uh, I was stunned, hmm. completely stunned. Um, and it wasn't for the broken bones. Uh, they just needed to be set. It was actually for the muscles and sinews and tendons and ligaments, whatever, whatever it was. Um, we don't want to start with easy in terms of we're going to be nice. And so we're going to be easy on this person. We're going to start with a little less than their best. Talk about their work and their abilities and perhaps even work backwards from that rather than from, oh, I don't expect you to do anything. Just show up and sit at your desk. That's a form of, of uh, compassion that I don't think is terribly effective. When someone is struggling with their work product, 
don't assume it's the crisis. Look, you can make allowances. There's nothing wrong with that. But too many managers are on either end of the spectrum. Either I don't expect anything to change and I'm a jerk. I'm a, I'm a jerk boss. Or you're the candy man where, you know, if they're going to come into work, you might as well ask them to work. But if you won't even ask them to work, they can just sit there and collect their paycheck and everybody just watches them and pities them and everybody's work product goes down and we're missing one of the 10 people on the team. I think some managers see crisis as like a lost loved one as their chance to, you know, be compassionate in action. Yeah. And, and, and then they do both horribly. I mean, yeah. they, they don't know how to reach out. Right, they, right. They screw that up. And they lose sight of the organization's needs. And the, and the whole organization suffers. Right. So, yes. And, and let's add, we believe that giving freely with compassion and great care to a troubled employee can in and of itself be beneficial to work long term. Right. These are the employees. You, you've had them. I've had them. I and mean, these are the right, employees right, who right. come back later and say, wow, this is the kind of place I could stay forever. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, a, and we're not, we're, not, we're not suggesting you do this for retention. We're suggesting that when you do the right thing, good things can happen because of it, like retention. There's nothing wrong with this kind of retention because you're a caring, compassionate manager who still managed to keep the ship running. Yeah. And then that yeah. brings us to our second preparation point, which is thinking about impact and duration. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, there are two things we want to think about, impact and duration. What we mean here is that when a crisis happens, we suggest you ask yourself two questions. Um, first, what will be the impact on the work of your team? And the second is, how long will this situation affect us? Let's, let's, let's take the impact piece first, Okay. Note that we're saying impact on work. We're certainly, we're not asking, we know that uh, there's an impact on the employee. We're not discounting that impact on the employee at all. Um, but frankly, that ought to be obvious because it wouldn't be a crisis if, there's a crisis if there was low impact on the employee, right? We know there's a high impact on the employee. That's a given. What we're saying here is, as best you can figure out, regardless of the cause, try to assess the impact to the team and the team's work of this personal crisis. A divorce is a crisis, but it's unlikely to have a high impact on the team unless there's gonna be a protracted legal battle or a custody battle. Um, uh, an individual's legal problems may create lots of absences. Uh, that may re require telecommuting, and then there may be a resource constraint, but it may not actually cre create work product problems. Um, you know, is this person in a time critical role where absences are harmful to the group? Or again, can telecommuting help? Um, you know, if a child is terribly sick, know what that will mean on the person's abilities to get work done when they're there and how much time they're going to spend at the office. Know who can do what parts of whose job and suddenly succession planning rears its head here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a, yeah. Um, and succession planning is not rocket science. It's just knowing your people and what they're good at. Um and, and we recommend you make a simple decision. Do you believe the impact of this situation is going to be high, it's going to be significant, or it's going to be low? Whether it's a short or long-term thing, the first question we ask is, how big is an impact of an impact is this going to be? And you may decide to change it after you learn more in the in the days and minutes or hours, minutes or hours or days after uh, the crisis event turns into a chronic situation. But and that leads us to the next piece, which is the duration question. Uh, ask yourself if this is a chronic situation, one that will last longer than, say, a month, or whether it's going to be painful 
and brief. Okay, We call those shorter crises events. They may last a week or 10 days. Uh, and the longer ones we call chronic. Um, and this just helps as you think about your response. It helps you um, sort of partition things in your head and, and, and allows you to think a little bit more clearly about what the impacts might be. Yeah, this kind of begs for a two-by-two two matrix, you know, just to keep our, our thinking straight yeah, around the incident. Yeah, right, 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 okay. But, but, but let me say, please, folks, we're not trying to reduce a tragedy or a crisis to a two-by-two two matrix. We're not that cold. No, <laughs> we're, no. We're, we're simply trying to simplify your thinking around a terrible event with this tool. Yeah, we're not, we're not talking about the event is a two-by-two. Two. We're talking about their thinking about it as a professional, as a as as a two by two being a tool that helps them get there. Yeah, just, just right. to help them, you know, balance compassion and work both to be both a caring person and a professional manager. Well said. That's per yes. Uh, you yeah. That I, I think that may sum up this very very well. We expect you to be a professional manager, and we don't believe you can be a professional manager without being a caring person. In this particular instance, in a personal crisis of a direct report. Um, it calls on that caring person in the professional manager. And the way to get through this well is to, is, is to light up both parts of yourself, both that professional part that says we're going to get the work done and the caring part that says a human being is precious um, and is not a resource, is not a number, is not a, a, a dot on a chart, but is a living human soul. And I care about him because no man is an island unto himself. Never send a no for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Okay, look. If you have an event that has a high impact on the work of your team, our recommendation is to be very aggressive uh, about both solutions and communication. Okay, so we're talking about now we, we we're we're talking about the two by two matrix. So we're in we're in Q one, I guess, right? The top left where you have high impact and it's an event as opposed to a chronic situation. Um, maybe it's a two week absence for an emergency surgery where there is some sense that the recovery will be tolerable. Okay, that means coming up with a plan that addresses work for the short period. It usually includes the manager doing more. It doesn't have to, but it usually does. Uh, and it means bringing the team together to discuss options and address it as a problem to be solved. And really, it becomes a workload problem. Um, and you do it in the name of compassion. And you'll be amazed if you've had your one-on-ones, if you've built relationships, if you've knitted the team tightly together with relationships – that the tool is the one-on-one -on -one and the result is tight relationships, you'll be amazed how a personal crisis will bring out the compassion in everyone because the closer we get connected to other people, the more we feel compassion when they are hurt, the more we feel empathy and sympathy for their situation, and the much more likely we are to change our behavior in order to help them because there, for the grace of God, go we. Yeah, you've inoculated the organization against things just uh, like this and all the white exactly. blood cells start, you know... Uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's like in one on ones. It's it, 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 you're not looking for a shot after you're sick. That's what that's what ineffective managers do, right? They're looking for a shot. Tell me what to do. They they call in some expert and say, "Hey, help me through this crisis." The way to do it is day to day, week to week, month to month, long before the crisis ever happens. So when it happens, you've already been inoculated. You've been doing your wellness. You've been doing your exercise. You're you're not smoking. You're not drinking. You're taking care of your team. Your team is strong. It's healthy. And when it has a trauma. The team responds effectively rather than ineffectively. And if you see it as a high impact event, in other words, very for fairly short duration, um, then the team will step up and say, sure, I can do anything for two weeks. Most people say that. Okay. Now, look, what if you're in Q2? 
where it is, again, still high impact. We've got high and low on the left uh, uh, margin, and we've got uh, event and chronic short and long term on the top um, of our of our two by two matrix. Right. It's going to last a while and it's a high, and it's a high impact problem. Yes. And we found the key in these situations is communication. Okay? That means open communication with a team about what's happening, what the what the status is, what the change is to their workload. It also means open communication with the afflicted team member. Uh, it means asking lots of questions, which we're going to talk more about in a little bit. It means communicating openly with the team. Um, and this is a case probably where we bump, bump up against some folks who have a, a little bit of what I would call, don't mean any offense, a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction about privacy. We're not interested in breaching anyone's privacy. We're not. We are interested in achieving the best we possibly can for our organization. And so we're going to ask direct questions, not because we want people to answer them just because we ask, but because if, in fact, you're willing to answer them and that will help the team decide to get behind you or beside you, however you want to put it, um, it would be a shame for us not to ask. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. So look, candor and communication is what you do when you have a high impact chronic problem. We're talking about a three to four month long or maybe even six month long problem where maybe this person is not going to be available for work at all and you have to reapportion work and, and reassign things and so on. That's not trivial if it's going to last a long time. And that means lots of communication about what's happening and what's going to go on in the future. Yeah. Okay, good. Can I take Q3? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I love that one. Low impact. Yeah, it's low, low impact, impact and, it's and it doesn't last short, very long. Short, short duration, right? It's an event and it's low impact. I'm done. It's not a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> this is the easiest two by two because you lose 25% of it, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's exactly awesome. Right. I love it. And, and here's actually this two by two matrix. A friend of mine and I were working, we were talking about it. And, and I, I had talked to several people. I said, one of the things that makes for great managers is they know the difference between, they immediately start asking about the impact on the team and of this. And he started sketching this thing out. And he says, boy, this makes it easy because in addition to telling you what to do, it also reminds you that there are some things that seem dramatic, but when you think about them in this lens that we're providing, you realize, I'm not going to change a whole lot here. Yeah, there's some drama here. Um, maybe, maybe there's a car accident. Maybe he's in the hospital overnight, but it doesn't appear he's going to be out for longer than a few days. And uh, the work he's doing right now is not critical. And so I don't have a crisis here. And so I'm really not going to change anything. I'm certainly going to be compassionate, but, but it, it, it's not, I'm not going to think of it as a crisis. I'm going to think of it as a situation that calls for compassion. Not all compassion has to be driven simply by crisis. Okay? Yeah. Now, on the other hand, what about Q4? And that means you've got a chronic problem, but it is somewhat low impact on the team. Um, and this is interesting. Um, if it's low impact, but it's going to last for a while, we find that it's best to be dealt with by lots of feedback and clear personal and professional communication to the team member. If it's fairly low impact, we don't want to elevate it and suddenly get the team riled up and say, okay, we've got to address this, we've got to do this, and so on. The more you communicate with the team about all the things that are going on in an employee's personal life, even if they give you carte blanche to do so, may send a message that there's a lot more going on than there in fact is. So so it, it may be low impact on the team, but of course it's going to be high impact on the employee, so you'll direct your attention toward the employee. Um too many and then the other extreme is too many team teams have been hurt by managers who won't address an ongoing problem. Um, you know, it's maybe maybe we've got a personal issue here, a, a problem that's personal in nature. Um, uh, 
and, and, and managers aren't comfortable addressing it. We talk about that in here a little bit in terms of immediately addressing things. And it's personal, it's private, uh, what have you. But let me, let me just say something now. Personal problems, some employees' personal private problems that affect work, their work, are no longer simply personal. They may, in fact, be private, and you may, in fact, be prohibited from knowing what they are, but that doesn't mean you should not be asking. We absolutely show deference to personal issues, and we can respect privacy, and we expect work product and professionalism. Look, and and just to be clear, we're not going to address people who either use effectively or 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 abuse things like Family and Medical Leave Act, FMLA, or disability. Um, those programs are great uh, for the people who need them. They are, in many managers' minds, often abused. But that's not really the the purpose of this cast. It can happen. That's for another time. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, well uh, that was that was some pretty hefty preparation. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, we probably could have made it about action, but I thought it was a distinction. Uh, I just thought it was a distinction worth making, putting it up front in terms of how you think about it. Yeah, of course. All right, we'll stop there and finish this up uh, next week. In the meantime, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to join the discussion forums at www.managertools.com slash forums. And a quick note, we still have some slots available for our September Effective Managers Conference in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. So if you're looking for a place where you can improve your management skills and get a lot of practice doing it, um, the Effective Managers Conference is for you. So you can get more details at the website, www.managertools.com, and uh, we hope to see you there. So until next week, folks, so long and have a great one. Music.